Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankleberg. And this is Greg Hutchins. Good morning. Hey, Greg. Um, when we're just getting set up to record this thing, um, you're talking about risk and risk management. Oh, and by the way, I got your newsletter in the mail. <laughs> it's only been like five years that for whatever reason, your email server was not talking to my email server. And, and I complained to you every couple of years about it. <laughs> so finally, only took moving your entire system to something else, I understand. But thanks for making that work for me. Yeah, uh, you bet. Thank you. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, you, you mentioned something that caught my eye was, is, is, um, you know, and you've talked about it in the past with me is um, risk-based decision-making and how do you look at the world as risk-based? And we talk about reliability engineering is we, we craft a product or a system or we make decisions and it's fraught with uncertainty because it's looking into the future. It's one of those things in reliability they don't teach you in statistics is that in basic regression analysis, for example, they say only draw conclusions within the bounds of your data, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So in reliability, the first thing you do is you take your system and you run it for six months and then you predict six years what it, in six years what it's going to do well beyond your data. And so we extrapolate, you know, not willy-nilly, but regularly. It's just a part of our, our job. And that has a lot of risk associated with just the techniques and the assumptions we're making and the data we're collecting and, and types of analysis we're doing. But there's also, you know, do we go with vendor A, vendor B, or do we do this or that, the other thing? So we're, we're making decisions and, and observations that feed into a larger risk management system. Um, and so informally, you and I have talked over the years, so I feel like I, I've picked up quite a bit of that. But you're, you're talking about how do we convince people they need training in this stuff? So for many years, we did bottom-up type of training. And there's a new pattern, a new development coming down the road. And I'm wondering if this is isolated. So let me provide the context. A large company, a large utility, electric power, they got a couple of nuke plants. They're living the world of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And the board is worried, the board of the company. The board uh, is working in a very risky environment. Uh, their systems, their nuke plants are going to be <laughs> closed. The high-voltage transmission lines were built for 60, 40, 60 years life. They're approaching 80. And um, the generation side of the business can't meet demand. Well. Well, you got to move to California because I think th there was like four or five minutes a couple of weeks ago that the California Energy Commission said that we were running the state's electric system completely on renewable energy. But it was only like for five minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> was, apparently one plant was shut down and overlapped with another one and and it had to go all, util all uh, renewables. Um, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, it's, interestingly, this is not a story about PG&E or 
SoCal Edison. This okay. is another utility. But the board was very concerned because they thought they had enough juice, energy to run this year without any brownouts or blackouts. But they did the numbers. They didn't have enough generation, meaning power generation mm -hmm. to meet demand. And the board was thinking, gee, what are we going to do? So aside from bringing in uh, peak, <laughs> peak load uh, uh, generation, which basically means that you're running a gas turbine with natural gas when there's a high demand for uh, heat or high demand for cooling, mm -hmm. and you're not going to run that base load, which means this sort of general you know, type of energy. Well, there's, I mean, there's another option. I'm sure they thought about it is the, the battery systems that are peak shaving systems. I've run into a few of those over the years of companies that, you know, during the off cycles of power uh, demand is they keep the plants running at a, you know, modem, a modicum of, of generation and then just store it. Whether it's pumping water up the hill in the dam or it's putting it in great big liquid batteries that are amazing amount of power uh, capacity in these things um, as opposed to burning more natural gas. Well, in this case, the utility decided to burn, and it's an IOU, investor-owned utility, decided to basically uh, run their peaks on natural gas. Mm -hmm. And the environmental community went crazy. <laughs> and, you know, basically uh, we're justified because the State Utility Commission said, you're going to be running in five years, largely out of solar and wind. Right. So here's the problem. The company, large utility, had hired people, promoted them, nurtured them, and rewarded them for one set of behaviors. Keep the system running. And now they needed a, a different type of mentality. The problem is, a lot of the utilities were 20, 30, 40-year-old uh, uh, <laughs> long-timers, and they couldn't change their behaviors. So the utility came to us and said, gee, we want the whole company to do risk-based decision-making. Many thousands of people. And the question was, how do we do it? And by the way, this is still a question mm -hmm. utility is facing. And as an outsider, we're a small company. We can't train thousands of people. We'd love to make a lot of money, but we just simply didn't have the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. So we advised the, <laughs> the company about what to do and maybe how to do it. And uh, we're still doing that. So the challenge is, and what I saw was a repeat of 1987. So in the quality world, reliability world, uh, 87, 1987 was pivotal. We had the Baldridge National Quality Award. We had Lean Six Sigma from Motorola. And we had ISO 9001. And I was thinking, is, 19, is 2022 going to become the same equivalent for risk-based thinking, risk-based decision-making? Meaning the Full Employment Act for a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, but in, there was something on, on LinkedIn couple of weeks ago or last week about the uh, the definition of risk in risk management in ISO the various ISO standards and not being consistent which yep. <laughs> there I think was valid point saying well hey what are you guys talking about here and they're written by different committees at different times so I, I understand why it happens but it's like it's not helping um, but 
I think, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a pivotal point. I think it's more of a, a transform is that the awareness of that we, the world around us is changing. And it always has been, right? It's just that we got away with the same behavior and same activity of maximize profit or ship yeah. the product or, you know, do those kinds of things for decades and decades and decades. And we kind of learned those patterns. Uh, it took the auto industry, you know, a long time to figure out they actually had to make a car that worked <laughs> um, before they could sell another one. And so it took a long time for them to get that into their DNA. Um, but I think the larger world is, what, especially ones that we don't have a lot of competition mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. Now the environment's competing with us is just one way to look at it. Um is the the amount of things we plug in is creating so much demand. More people are putting in air conditioners, creating more demand. More factories are moving back to the U.S., putting more demand. Uh, somebody puts up a steel plant, there goes your energy consumption woes. You're going to be using a lot of energy for like an aluminum plant. It's great having the jobs, but you're going to have brownouts because they're going to feed the airport, the hospital, and the aluminum plant before that you get your air conditioner. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the forces I think are changing that we have to, and it's more of a problem for change management, I think, than it is of risk management. I think it's, we just need to think about and react to and anticipate the world around us in ways we were just not comfortable doing. The way the way you painted that picture for this utility is, I th- see it's that way. Whether you call it risk management or not, I think it's we got to change the way we filter our own decision making at the individual level. Right, that's exactly right. Yeah. And we're not ready for that. I mean, I'll give you another data point. Historically, and I've spent many many years in the power business. There would normally be maybe once 20 years, maybe once in 10 years, a blackout, Uh, especially 30 years ago. The equipment was very good. The high voltage transmission lines were 10 years old. Now we're running these things to failure, everything to failure. That's nice. That's a reliability concept. That's very important. It's it's actually a strategy, but it's not very useful when your entire system is wearing out at the same time. That's exactly (laughs) right. But the utility mentality was run to failure and then replace. Totally opposite to predictive reliability, predictive (laughs) maintenance. But now the significance of that is having an impact on all of us, especially if, gasoline becomes $10 a gallon, which it could be, which is another talk for another (laughs) time. But here uh, there was a, I mean, I'm sort of a geek and I'm still in the energy business, but there was an article from the feds that said 75% of America will have a brownout or blackout this year. Now, 20 years ago, in our system in the Northwest, we would have a brownout or blackout <laughs> maybe every 10 years. Now, three quarters of the U.S. is going to have some type of uh, reliability failure, almost like a third world country. Well, is that a reliability problem or just a lack of capacity of infrastructure to deliver and not anticipating the demand? I think utilities just got caught by 
the <laughs> demand uh, combined with you know more air conditioning, but just there's more things plugged in. I can't, you know, <laughs> the amount of power my house consumes is I don't know how many fold larger than it was 20 years ago. And I got computers and hard drives and and smart devices this sweat and the other and backup drives and not to mention a big screen TV, you know, it's, yeah, I got LED lights and energy conserving uh, dishwasher, but um, that doesn't more than make up for just to have way more things plugged in. And don't forget electric cars, EVs. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but I think part of it is the onset of EVs, the on, uh, just the the computers in general and you know gaming systems they just burn through power <laughs> they you can heat your house with a good i uh xbox <laughs> um but but i mean it's i think that it's not just consumers i think we're a part of the problem but i think it's also just the the onshoring of more uh companies of and more factories and more facilities and and more mining and all those kinds of high energy uses i mean for decades we've been getting rid of steel plants they've been moving offshore and and that's reversing we're bringing more of that stuff back and that huge bitcoin uh, mining for cryptocurrency is in some parts of the country is like the number one en energy consumer yep yep you know, it, so I think some of it is the forecasting. It's not a clean, flat pattern that's following the trend from the last 30 years. It That's changing faster than they can react. And we're setting down nuclear plants. And we want to switch the solar, which has, a, or solar and, and renewable energy, which has all kinds of variability that a coal plant never had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So there's, there's tons of factors at play here. But the idea is that, the, it all comes back to the individuals in the system saying, hey, we got to recognize this pattern. We got to foresee this. We're Just because we've always been using the you know, year over year rolling average, it's not the right measure anymore to forecast what our energy needs are for next year. It's just that it, we're missing the mark and we're not taking action quick enough to put in capacity or contingencies or whatever to deal with it. And so part of it is how we're making decisions. And what I and I think what the idea here is that we're not taking into account those uncertainties, um, in in a way that allows us to change our behavior of what data we collect, what analyst analysis we do, and what decisions we make. And I think that's the heart of risk based decision making is that you got to consider the bigger picture a lot more deliberately than you may have been comfortable doing in the past, and the interdependencies between the factors. Yeah. So let me add a human touch to it. Uh, you're making maybe, you know, you're an outside board, independent uh, director of a board in a utility. Yeah, be, like all of us on our listeners uh, are, you know, that's what we do. No. <laughs> I well, hope there's a few of you that become board members and maybe a couple are, but, um, but let's say we're in that spot. We're making big decisions, big picture decisions. That's right. And you've got a shackle, you know what a shackle is, on a high voltage transmission line that was put up 100 years ago. And the shackle fails. Stress strain, the thing just simply falls apart. And it drops a high voltage transmission line in Northern California. Oh, well, that's not a good thing. 
causes a fire and hits a town called Paradise. And unfortunately, Paradise got vaporized. And it was very unfortunate. Some people lost their lives. Uh, California basically took criminal measures against the company, PG&E, and went after senior management and went after the board for dereliction and blah, 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 bunch mm -hmm. of reasons. And all of a sudden... <laughs> all these other boards are saying, oh, wait a minute here. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, exactly. Do we want to put up a nuke plant? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are we, how are we going to generate electricity? And they're not making decisions. And not making a decision is a decision. Yeah, I was just going to say is that, you know, not not making a decision is they're going to have brownouts. Um, but that's a decision. That's exactly right. But Great. you don't go to jail for not having power. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. So here we've got senior executives or maybe even executives in a utility that know that the system is coming apart. They can't provide energy to hospitals. They can't provide energy to stoplights. They can't provide energy to EVs or to refrigerators that have three weeks worth of food. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be liable, personally liable? Well, I know from personal experience, I live in the, in the mountains, mountainous regions. Most of the country, we just call them hills. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but it's, um, apparently, there is a process where if you lose your refrigerator full of food due to a power outage, um, you can file a claim with the power company and they'll reimburse you to some extent. But there's so many conditions and caveats and everything else on it. I've only heard of one person ever that's gotten reimbursed ten uh, percent of what they perceived value is. <laughs> so the bureaucracy just made it near impossible <laughs> to, to deal with. So there are other solutions to those problems, I guess. So let me ask you a question: Is running to failure in the utility business a correct decision? Oh, I would say no, especially when. Um, Oh, where did I see it? I think you were talking about it or somebody. No, um, I was talking to Chris Jackson about it. It was, uh -huh. there was a, a, a long, I mean, a long-term study of uh, poles, power poles in Australia. Mm -hmm. And in the types of technology they were using, whether they're concrete or wood or treated or not treated, different types of treatment, and which ones lasted the longest. And they had all this great data and they were doing the analysis of it and started out. And then they came to the realization that like two thirds of their system is near the end of their useful life and we're <laughs> likely going to need to be repaired and they don't have enough trees that would fit the bill to, to go do this, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, it's, it's so easy to react to a failure today it can roll a truck you go make the fix and we're back up and running you know or we avert a disaster or it doesn't take our whole system down or does these kinds of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the looking at that four years from now two-thirds of our system is going to be needing to replace it is just too big of a problem to have to to go worry about i i can solve the problem today by rolling a truck today whereas Solving the problem when two thirds of our system needs replacing—that's mm -hmm, outside my scope, man. <laughs> That's not my problem. And so, some of it is is that 
it's not part of their job title. I think that's what this board is asking you guys to do is say, hey, no, you need to flag this and raise this and we need to think about this and solve these bigger problems. Um, think differently is to use the Apple uh, ad campaign. Yep, I remember. Right? Um, <laughs> but the idea is, is that um, that is hard to do. That's a cultural change. That's not just a, a new framework for how to make decisions and different sets of data to consider. Uh, it's, yeah, here's some ways to consider it. Here's things to think about. Here's factors to weight. And here's, you know, different ways to make decisions. Um, but that won't make a difference at all unless it's supported all the way through the organization, you know, and, and it's just a cultural change. And that in some companies will take decades, unfortunately. Yeah. You're right. It'll take decades. But now the window of opportunity to make differences is probably five years to make systemic, behavioral, fundamental changes. Now, again, I'm only talking about utilities, transmission, generation. But the, the same thing goes in every industry, in every facility. And is we've got new technologies coming along all the time. We're all facing just a more turbulent world than it was three years ago, you know, between COVID and supply chains and, and inflation and on and on and on. Yeah. It, we've always had things we had to worry about and take care of and solve but the pace of change, which is now becoming a trite convert or phrase is just picking up. Um, so I don't know. Is training the only solution is, or is it, is it bigger than just training? Is it cultural change? I think it's going to be cultural, systemic uh, mind shift change. And the question is, when people have been there for 20, 30, 40 years and have one set of behaviors that have been reinforced, how do you change behaviors quickly? Yeah, change how they get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> If, if seriously, I, I've seen it work in organizations. You change the bonus structure for for mid and senior managers, uh, such that warranty costs play a factor is equally or more important than you shipped it on time. All of a sudden, you get better products. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It was within a year. There was a dramatic change. At HP. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It's funny how people are like that. You know, they, they kind of do what they're paid to do. Yes. Yes. So, I, you know, is there going to be an opportunity like 1987 where everybody was being trained and rewarded for quality? Is, 19, is 2022 going to be the same for risk-based thinking and risk-based decision-making? I don't know. Yeah. Could be the full employment act for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I think it's another topic for us is to talk about how ISO is playing into this, the uh, standards bodies, because um, <laughs> I think they're kind of mucking it up a bit. Uh, but that's that's the topic for another day, for another day. Next one. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're listening to this, I mean, we ranged quite a broad range of things, but the scenario of, you know, if you're in a utility and you got to make different decisions and, and how do you improve the decision-making or change it so that it, it's risk-based and it's it factoring in these elements that are changing in and around our systems and, and of our systems and the way we make decisions. Um, 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff here we just don't have time to talk about in this podcast, but there's plenty of other topics there. And I'd be very curious of what you as listener uh, would be interested in hearing about. And as Greg and I and the other hosts explore, um, kind of how do we respond to and get ahead of the all of these changes that are, are occurring and how it factors into what we do on a day-to-day basis within our organizations uh, and even in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. So um, head over to ascendoverliability.com slash go slash SOR and let us know. You can leave us a message there. You can find Greg and I and the other hosts of the show on LinkedIn or on our about pages on Ascendo. There's plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us. Absolutely, Fred. And our job, yours and mine, is really to help the listener thrive in a complex world. Yep. Well said. All right. Thanks, Greg. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.